Hi, everybody. I'm Lacey. I'm Bailey. And I'm Drew. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. Okay. All right. Do we have anything to discuss beforehand, or are we all caught up on each other's lives? Um, I saved a puppy last night. Yeah, you did an emergency C-section. I did see the pictures. Those puppies look too small to be real. The mom was only a kilogram, which is 2.2 pounds. I was going to say, look at you with your fancy. That's also too small to be a real dog. Yeah, I was very happy. I didn't have to put her under anesthesia, and I was on the other end of the puppy. Good job. Am I diving in? Are we? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't okay. know. Okay, I'm about to. Usually, we start and we immediately are talking about stuff. And today, we I yeah, don't I don't think we have much to like update each other on our okay. lives. Nothing much has really happened in the last week. All right. Well, I we am to update each other. I didn't I'm... die in Becca's house after talking about all this haunted stuff. Oh, good. That's good. That's because That's... of the candle. That's very. You ever did the candle lit? Yes, I did actually. Um, the next day, I found two lighters in the house. That would have been handy. Just like, and one was in like one of the kitchen drawers with like the uh, uh, like washcloths, and then another one was in like a bedroom that I was sleeping in, just out. So, like, she left that one like, on purpose. I totally could have left, like, lit the candle if I tried harder. Yeah. It feels like you just didn't put in enough effort. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't panicked enough. I feel yeah. like there's there's like an update with true crime. Probably Is there there's a true crime update. You want a specific one or you want me to tell you some true crime? No, like, I feel like something specifically happened, and I was like, hey, did you see this? Um, I don't know. I saw a thing that, um, they, police are investigating Matthew Perry's death as, like, a robbery. That's weird. I saw, yeah. I heard something that, like, it's more ruled a heart attack. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are just speculating. Yeah. I have not come to terms with it yet. I've also noticed stupid. So I've also noticed that there are a lot of like friends stuff going on on TikTok. Mm-hmm. All right. I also appreciate that like the rest of the cast is like, please just let us grieve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quietly. I appreciate that. Alright. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. What are we, what not are we a good intro today? today. I'm <laughs> it's very low I energy. Like yeah, yeah, I feel like it's very fast last. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take you guys to Zion National Park today. <gasps> it's Zion a national, national park, park. it's in Arizona Zion? or Utah? Utah. Oh, it's gorgeous, Drew. Yeah. It's Z? on my bucket list. Z I O N. 
It um okay. it was an we it's went lazy last story Billy settle down. We went last December. It was kind of impromptu because we went to the Grand Canyon and we were like we can probably drive there from here. And we did a big loop, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Um, oh, I did want to mention before we got started, Billy. You posted like something to Instagram, a picture of yourself. It said like spooky season. You were next to a skeleton. Yeah, you look very cute in the photo. Thank you. It oh, was like a very natural look. I'm gonna like it. But I was it off very done well. in my makeup. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to compliment my hairstyle? No. Why not? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. You don't. You don't think I look fabulous? <laughs> I. I think. I feel. You I feel like a, look, a Yorkie. I. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Or a Shih Tzu. Um, I think whatever you think of your uh, look is amazing. I feel like, you know how they say people start looking like their dogs? I should get a a Shih Tzu and then just rock this hairstyle. No. I support that. Thanks, Lacey. You should not get a Shih Tzu. That's why you're my true best friend, Lacey. I just want her to start wearing that hair. All the time. I think when it's like in a bun type thing, it's it's actually cutish. Oh, I've done that with my hair. Yeah, yeah like the half up bun. But the uh, well, the water spout fountain thing. That's a look. Happens. <laughs> anyway, Zion, why why is this, Lacey? Can I ask why is this on the podcast? Is it sinister? It is sinister. Is it oh. sarcastic? We will be. Okay. Um this Making summer big promises. I know. This summer I um I found a new podcast that I was enjoying and they talk about the national parks and they mentioned this book in them. Is and... it National Parks After Dark or something? Oh, I fucking love them. Love it so much because I love the parks and spooky stuff. I've I've listened to them while I've been like Wyoming or Colorado and it's good. Um so they mentioned, I don't remember which was the first episode that I listened to them, but they mentioned this book called Death in whatever the park, like Death in Grand Canyon. And I found out that they have this book for a bunch of the parks. So when we were in Big Bend this summer, um, I found Death in Big Bend and then Brandon got me a couple for my birthday. So here's Death in Zion National Park. And it's, it's just a collection glossy. of people who have died in the park. It is very glossy. Um, accidents. Murder stupidity it's a great read um so i'm gonna tell you guys about somebody who died in the park and you're gonna decide do you think that it was sinister or was it just an accident um i feel like we need like paddles to vote yeah that'd be fun okay ready to head to uh utah yeah i'm already in utah it's may in utah so probably warm um i did share a slide deck with you guys it, it literally has three pictures and only one of them is the victim because it Who's wasn't like a super him? popular case. It's not me. Who's I Billy? Um, I have a big dog. Get over it. I'm not it upset. Wasn't, I'm it wasn't like a hugely popular case. Person. It didn't get enough attention that there's victim or pictures of the people involved. But the first picture is a picture from the top of the trail that I'm going to talk about. And I just thought it was cool. And then the second picture is like a map of the trail. So Lacey just covering through our side conversation. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Ready? We're going to 1997. 
Levi's birth year. 1997. I was only a year old. You can't take me anywhere. (laughs) You're coming to Utah. You're allowed to travel at a year old. Not for my parents. You're gonna... I'm not telling them. That's not like a law. I need a written note. Oh my god. I'm gonna tell you guys about somebody. Okay. (laughs) Alright. On May 9th, 1997... Robert Falk, Mike Fulton, their girlfriends, and two other friends were hiking the Observation Point Trail, an eight-mile round-trip hike in Zion National Park. The six hikers from Phoenix, Arizona, were walking up the switchbacks on the trail when they were approached by a visibly shaken man who introduced himself as James. While James didn't seem to have any great sense of urgency, his voice and his hands were both trembling as he told the group that his wife, Patty, had fallen and he couldn't find her. At first, they thought she had just fallen down and gotten injured and James had lost track of where she was when he went to get help. Mike Fulton even offered him his map and said that we could help you find her. But they soon realized that James's wife hadn't just fallen down along the trail. She had fallen off the trail and over a cliff. Not long before this, Donald and Glenda Cox of Amarillo, Texas, were hiking further down the switchbacks after having already completed the climb to observation point, so they were on their descent. They heard a scuffling sound and looked up to see some rocks sliding off a ledge about a mile above where they were. Seconds later, a woman fell over the ledge. According to Donald, she was cartwheeling like a cheerleader. Glenda grabbed her binoculars and tried to see where the woman had landed, although she couldn't locate her, and they both expected to hear screaming and yelling from whoever had been with the woman. But after a few minutes of silence, they figured she must have been hiking alone, and they hurried down the trailhead, got in their car, and drove to the visitor center to let somebody know what they had seen. I'm, I'm sorry. Say they got in their car and they got the hell out of there. The the first picture is where she fell from? No. So the first picture, I couldn't find exactly where, well, hold on. Let me just pop over here. So the picture is the top of the trail. The picture is observation point. Okay. Looking out over the valley. Yeah. Um on the next picture where it shows like the trail yeah it says it happened on the switchbacks and i'm thinking that it was the ones that were are like halfway down so like the part that looks like angry fingers yeah where it zigzags back and forth yeah the trails do that in like really steep places so you're not going straight up you're Um, wiggling kind of Um, because it said it happened at the switchbacks and we're going to see in a minute that two of the hikers had to run like three miles back to the trailhead. So I really don't think it was the one that were like, look so like wait, they're kind of at the bottom. On the first picture, mm-hmm. she fell from the very top to the very bottom? No, they weren't at the very top. I was going to say, that's a, like, I think she'd explode upon impact. Yeah, there, there are a lot of stories of people falling incredible heights. If you look at that top picture. I don't want to. Okay. Bailey, yeah. if you look at that top picture. <laughs> There's that, like, rock formation kind of to the right that looks really, like, steep and skinny, like a shark fin. Yeah. That is Angel's Landing. And, like, it's the part that looks like you can't possibly walk on the top of it because it's so skinny. That's Angel's Landing. They have, like, chains in the ground that you have to hold on to to hike up there. So many stories of people falling off Angel's Landing. I'm Googling it. Um... All right. It's, it's a hike that I haven't yet decided if I'm... Willing to put it on my bucket list because I'm a little wimpy. I I feel like you should have some kids first. Yeah, be I a little like established worse, in my life. Check, check a couple other things off my list just to make sure I get some yeah, things but done. If, if she falls and like breaks a hip, then 
if she falls and dies. Break my body. I would also like it, Lacey, if you were a bit more experienced with hiking. Yeah. That if I did that one, that would be probably several years down the line. That's not a yeah. Why don't you try Mount Everest first? More yeah. people die there. I don't want to climb over the dead bodies that are left on Everest. You wouldn't know you're climbing over them if that makes you feel better. It doesn't. I don't feel good about it. I feel like it might make you oh, feel worse. I forgot, I forgot that I'm still telling you guys a story. <laughs> so, Donald and Glenda got to their car and ran off to get help. Can you guys hear that in my background? Nope. Okay. The pipes, like, made noise or something. Alright, so back up the trail where James and the hikers have met up. Um, the sick hikers are coming up with a plan to search for Patty. James seems distracted and disoriented and is not much help. But it was clear to the hikers that he was very upset and the situation was dire. While they were searching, he did not call out Patty's name at all. The other hikers did. Finally, Robert Falk hoisted himself up on a ledge in a little canyon off of the trail, above which he noticed vultures had started a circle. And he mm-hmm. came face to face with Patty's broken body. She had landed 500 feet below where she had tumbled off the cliff. Um, and he said, quote, it was not something anyone should see. It was instantly a situation where I knew we wouldn't be able to help her. So he called behind him for James to stay back. He said it isn't good. And then he did check to see if Patty was breathing just to make sure. Um, James came up anyway. And he didn't show any emotion when he saw Patty's body. But he did throw a rock at the vultures that were circling. Falk mentioned that somebody needed to go get the authorities. James said he didn't want to leave his wife. So Falk's girlfriend and some others ran the three miles back down the trailhead to get help. Patty's shorts had mostly come off in the fall and James replaced them. While they waited for help, James told Falk about his family and started to cry. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about James and Patty. James and Patricia Botterini met in San Diego and they lived in California for several years before moving to Medford, New Jersey. They had been married nearly a decade the day of the incident, and they had two sons who were one and three years old. She was 36 at the time of her death, and he was 38. Now, in the months leading up to this day, friends and family had noticed that there was tension between the two, and everybody assumed that they were going through some kind of a rough patch. After they took an extended trip to Southern California to visit family, their neighbor, another Patty, Patty Wilmot, said that Patricia wasn't as friendly as she used to be and seemed very agitated, and James seemed angry all the time. Um, but then they announced that they were taking a trip to Las Vegas. They were going to do some adventuring over to Zion, and James called it a second honeymoon, so people figured that they were you know, going to get together, figure things out, and be back on track. So they left on May 7th for this trip. On the morning of May 9th, James and Patty got off the Zion shuttle at the Weeping Rock Trailhead. The trail to observation point is eight miles round trip, so four miles up to the point, four miles back. They recommend that you give yourself about six hours to complete it. About three quarters of the way up, they stopped to have a snack and take in the view, which was phenomenal, even though they weren't at the top. And they decided that they were just too physically exhausted to finish the trail. So they decided to just turn around and go back down. After this, Nobody but James knows what happened. According to James, he was walking about 15 feet ahead of Patty. Something made him turn around. He's unsure if he heard something or just intuition. And he saw Patty lying on her stomach on the ledge, which was sloped downward. He said that in seconds, she was scrambling to get back up and then slid backwards and off the edge. 
He said she was sliding down and there was just nowhere for her to stop. She was lying on her stomach? Yeah, like she, like as if she had tripped and fallen, like face first. So she was face down. Yeah. And she, you know, was scrambling, trying to get up, but was just sliding and couldn't stop herself. Slid right off the edge. So back to the scene. First on scene was park ranger Brett McGinn. He said that James seemed emotionally separated, detached, and disinterested. He barely spoke, although when he mentioned his sons, he started to cry again. Special Agent Pat Buccello also questioned him at the scene. At first, she actually thought that Robert Falk was Patty's husband, because he was the one who was actually upset. She didn't think that it was James because of the way that he was acting. She and some of the park rangers were talking about how it was strange for an accident to happen here because none of them remembered an accident happening on the observation point trail before. So she checked the records later and discovered that the trail had been open for 60 years. There had never been any fatalities and there had not even been an accident in the last 30 years. So while there are accidents in Zion, they don't happen on this trail. Hmm. They also interviewed Patty's sister, Carolyn Howard Jones. At first, she said she wasn't sure what to think. They asked her, do you think Patty's death was an accident? And she didn't know whether she did or not. She kind of couldn't, couldn't really think, couldn't figure out what she felt. She said that when James called her to tell her what happened, he told her two different versions of how Patty died. And that he was very a matter of fact, almost like he was reading something off a piece of paper. So his first version of events was that they had been hiking Angel's Landing. He heard Patty call out and he turned to see her falling over the edge. The second version he told her is that they had been on the observation point trail. He heard her slip, turned around to see her sliding off the edge while screaming for help. <clears throat> Sorry. Later, a former colleague named Michael D would testify that James told him he thought Patty was swatting at a bee when she fell. Um, Carolyn refused to let James stay at her house in California when he got there for Patty's memorial service a week after she died. Six months after the death, she was given a letter to sign saying Patty's death was accidental and she refused to sign it. Other family members um, kind of got on Carolyn's side and decided to challenge Patty's will and file a lawsuit to try and prevent any of the family trust from going to James. So that takes me into what would have been James's motive for killing his wife if he did. Well, Patty had a one twelfth interest in her family's California real estate business called Tobo Investment Partnership. This was worth an estimated one million dollars. Um, nine months before the accident, she had taken out a two hundred fifty thousand dollar life insurance policy. He was the beneficiary of the life insurance policy, and he stood to gain her interest in the company if she died on the day patty died and a couple weeks later both times talking to special agent Bocello, james told her the name of the life insurance company and the amount that the policy was worth but in july during a taped phone conversation he claimed he didn't even know that patty had had life insurance and he didn't have any of that information so the federal government charged james with interstate domestic violence. So I Googled this to make sure I understood it. Interstate domestic violence is crossing a state line in order to commit domestic violence and then doing it. So if you take somebody across state lines intending to hurt them, like the spouse, and then you do it, domestic or interstate domestic violence. They yeah, didn't I have... Feel... 
Hmm? I feel like if you're going to commit a crime, don't take them across state lines because then it becomes federal. Yeah, any kind of crime you're going to be involved in, stay in one spot. Or don't stay in crime. one state. Don't that yeah. we, uh, sinister and sarcastic podcast in no way um, encourages, endorses domestic violence or any type of cri- uh, criminal acts in your state or otherwise. I I think we just need a blanket statement, Lacey. You don't need to get specific. <laughs> All right. Um, so charging him with that. Also, making false statements to a federal officer and mail fraud for attempting to collect on the insurance policy. Who's now, the federal officer? The park ranger? Um, Guccello, the one who he talked about the insurance company and then he claimed um, he didn't know. Now, they can't get him for making false statements and mail fraud unless they can convict him of interstate domestic violence and prove that he actually killed his wife. Otherwise, it's not mail fraud because he's collecting on insurance policy for somebody he didn't kill and, you know, whatever. Um, I thought that this was weird. So they charged him with the interstate domestic violence. They did not have the authority to charge him with murder. That would be left up to the Washington County Sheriff's Office. So the Sheriff's Office, Attorney Eric Ludlow, said that he was monitoring the case, the domestic violence case, to decide whether to charge Bottarini. So basically, if they were able to convict him on the interstate domestic violence, and he thought he could also win a murder case, then he would bring that case forward. But if they lost, and he didn't feel like he had good odds, he wouldn't even bring the case. (laughs) On to the trial. First of all, before we get to the trial, you guys have any thoughts yet? I think it sounds very suspicious. Suspicious. Bailey, what did you say? Sketchy as hell. Okay. That's also how I felt. It's a little, um... Convenient. Well, and the part that struck me is if if it's just you two hiking in a national park, why the fuck are you walking ahead of your wife? Well, If, like, if Maybe. the trail is narrow at points or whatever, and you're kind of, like, not side by side... I I get hung up on yeah, the like, couple that saw you're... her fall and didn't hear him like screaming or yelling. Yeah, because like even even the fact that he was emotionless or like numb, mm-hmm. you could argue he was in shock. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what the defense ended up saying. But like the fact that he didn't seem concerned at all during the like. He wouldn't be in shock while it's happening. Right. I don't think he would be in shock until he saw her body. Yeah, that would you would be think shocking. that you would, even if the odds aren't good, you would have a little bit of hope. But yeah. I mean, like, you could still be shocked with just watching your wife fall, like, fall. Yeah, but would you put, would that put you in, like, a catatonic state? I think you'd Maybe. at least be yelling her name over the edge. To see if she responds or anything. I I feel like most people, unless you see the dead body, you don't assume that they're dead. Unless you know for sure they are. That, and I think turning around and pretending he didn't know about the life insurance policy after talking about it is shady. Yeah. Alright. I'm going to tell you about the trial. So it's the trial for the interstate domestic violence charges. Takes place in November 2002. So five years after patty died it lasted about three weeks this i thought was cool the jurors were chosen based on whether or not they could physically hike the observation point trail 
So they took them. They ended up with nine men and three women on the jury. They were taken on a five-hour bus trip from Salt Lake City, where the trial was held, to Zion so that they could walk the trail and see for themselves where Patty had fallen. I thought that was cool because I'd never heard of that before. You've never heard that they take the jury to, like, the scene of the crime? And I don't know if it's because I haven't been paying attention. Probably because I haven't been paying attention. But I thought that that was... I think that's cool. Let them, like, be there and actually see it. Yeah. I've heard them do that before. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I Here feel like is... we've talked about it before. We probably have. I didn't care until now. Okay. Here's the prosecution's case. Here are their points. Okay? So, first of all, their strategy was not necessarily to prove, like, how James did it, but to prove that it could not have possibly been an accident. So, like, process of elimination had mm-hmm. to have been murder. They first presented that James had a gambling problem. So between 1990 and 1994, while they were living in California, James took 53 trips to Las Vegas. I know that California is closer to Vegas than, like, where we are. That still feels like a lot of trips to Vegas in four years. Yeah. From January of 95 to April of 1997, so a month before Patty died, he lost over $73,000. That would... uh cause some stress in i think anyone's yeah relationship michael d his former colleague testified that patty had voiced concern to him about james's gambling prosecution also stated that patty had a crippling fear of heights she was very athletic very competitive um crippling fear of heights absolutely would not have gone anywhere near the edge of the trail probably wouldn't have walked the trail at all without being forced to. And they use this as evidence that James was very controlling, would have bullied her into going on the trail with him, and that she wouldn't have gone near the edge on her own. They said that his investment business was on the rocks. They had a professor of exercise science, Wilson Hayes, testify. And he said that if she had slipped, she would have fallen differently. He said fallen forward instead of sideways. Don't know Mm -hmm. what that means. But she would have fallen differently. And he said he could determine no scenario in which Patty accidentally fell to her death. They also had a blood spatter expert who said that blood stains showed she was bleeding before she fell. And that there were four blood stains in an elliptical pattern, which showed she had been pushed or thrown from the cliff rather than slid off it, as James said she did. Um, In the beginning, I told you about their neighbor, Patty Wilmot who said that James was angry and Patty was agitated after a trip to California. She said that after the Zion trip, when Patty died, when James came home, he was no longer angry and was now very calm. Well, yeah, he's got a load of money now. Her husband, James, so it was Patty and James living next to Patty and James. Her husband, James, testified that three months after her death, after James Botterini had packed up the house to sell it, he, neighbor James, found in the trash can patty's high school basketball trophy a plaque and a football signed by members of her high school team um these were like keepsakes that were near and dear to patty's heart and he thought it was strange that they were being thrown out Hmm. so that's a summary of what the prosecution had going on the defense's answer so despite the prosecution's claim that he had a gambling problem that was causing issues According to friends and family, James and Patty both came from very wealthy families, and that even with him losing and gambling, 
neither of them had big debt and neither of them lived the kind of flamboyant lifestyle consistent with a gambling issue. They had enough money to kind of take the blow of his gambling. Must be they, nice. They also showed a picture of Patty rappelling down a rock wall to show that her fear of heights had either been greatly exaggerated by the, by the prosecution or made up entirely. Which I think has to be true because I don't think you're going to be rappelling down a rock wall. Is it like a real, like... Yeah, it was like at a park or something, like a cliff wall they were rappelling down. But like fake or like an actual cliff? No, it was an actual picture of her. Like a thing no, that she had not, gone down. Not like a fake picture, but is it like a fake cliff? Like, you know... Oh, like where you can go to like rock climbing places? Yeah, or like how there's there used to be up on the boardwalk in Jersey, like a rock wall and you yeah. can climb it. No, it was a legit like you can climb up and rappel down from a great height. Well, can I can I share something personal? Yes. I don't care for heights. And what I find difficult is like getting up the height and then once I'm at the height, moving at that point. Like I don't mind I can climb a rock wall and then come right back down because I once I'm up there, I just come down. But yeah. like I did I forgot that I was afraid of heights. Um and did a what what's that? Zip line oh. in the tree. Uh, didn't we do a zip line? Like a zip line course? Yeah, where like you climb up a, a rope ladder yeah. and then you have to like walk across like Didn't your mom get you like a um, gift card for it or something one year for like your birthday or Christmas and then we did a thing and you were like horrified? Probably. But like once I I halfway up the rope ladder, I was like, Oh yeah, I don't like doing this. And then I got to the <laughs> top and was like I had a really hard time walking. So I could understand the di- there uh, there is a difference between climbing okay. straight up and coming right back down versus walking along a cliff. Okay. I like the insight because when I read about the picture, I was like, oh, okay, so the prosecution made that up, but maybe not. Yeah, and like I don't have a problem in planes because I'm not physically climbing up the plane and then That's walking good. through the sky. The plane takes me up there and then I come back down and I'm yeah. okay. Plane does the walking. Yeah, and also like. I mean, a rock wall, I don't know. You know, like, the really intense ones where, like, you're real high up and you gotta, like, put the stake in the thing to make sure you don't mm-hmm. fall? That I wouldn't be able to do because if I look down, then I'm... That I'm, freaks me out. Even watching I other people move. do that raises my blood yeah. pressure. My, um, I don't know if she's on that level, but my uh, medical director, she, like, rock climbs for, like, fun um she's actually currently injured because of a rock wall injury um uh, uh-huh. but like she's been like in like greece and like rock climbed like in different places around the country that's cool and she's like yeah she's she's the type that is like she for the one that she was like in greece where she like it was over an ocean but like not really a rope or anything uh I like that. I like the ones where you're fully connected to a lot of stuff. Like, there's like a lot of things that are going to catch your Yeah. Have you ever watched yeah. the videos of people just free rock climbing without being hooked up to anything? It's hard. It me out. 
I'm just feeling for little finger holds and you're watching and you're like, I don't even know how your finger's staying in that spot. That is my medical director on a rock. Well, she's she's just on a rock. She's just on a rock. Wait, let me see. Hold on. She's up high on a rock. She at yeah. least has a helmet. That one she has ropes. This is the one where she was like ropeless and she made it to the top. But like over an ocean. That. That, no. I don't care for that. Yeah. Tell her to knock yeah, that off. Yeah, they always look real spread eagle in those, and it freaks me out. How do yeah. they find the crevices? She, she, yeah, she's legit like a mountain warrior or something. I think you have to have in, insane core strength, like strength all over. You know, the whole thing needs to be good. But like yeah. the core strength, particular. Well, you need to have good arm strength too to pull yourself. Like because yeah. they sometimes they just go with the arms. Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Let's come back to the trial. So you may remember that the uh, that one professor of exercise science said that Patty could not possibly have slipped off because of the way that she fell. Um, she could only have been pushed. However, the defense had a forensic engineer who contradicted that and said that a whole range of things like vertigo or just physical exhaustion could have caused Patty to fall differently, sideways to turn her body different ways. They also had their own blood spatter expert. I always like when both sides get an expert in the same thing and they have contradictory testimony. So their blood spatter expert said the blood stains were consistent with a slip, fall, and tumble off of the edge. They also said that the abrasions on her hands were consistent with slipping and scrambling to get a grip. On cross-examination, James Wilmot, the, um, the neighbor who said he found Patty's stuff in the trash, said that another man had actually helped Botterini pack up the house, so he couldn't say for sure who threw Patty's keepsakes away. The defense also read from Patty's journal entries and some letters to show that the marriage between the two was actually just fine. And one of the lines they read was in a letter that she wrote to Jim to James, and she said, Jim, I cherish the way you bring to life a spark in me. Um, and then I threw these two random things in here because I didn't feel like they fit easily on the defense or prosecution side. But Ron Edwards, a Washington County Sheriff's deputy, did not examine the scene until nine days after Patty died. During this time, the trail was not closed off to the public. So, yeah, I was going to say, was it exposed to the elements too? Yep, it rained during this time and other hikers used the trail. I so he would expect them to not protect them from the elements. <laughs> I, no, expect I, I, didn't ex- I don't sure. expect them to protect it from the elements. I expect them to be more, I don't know, timely with their examination. Yeah, be more timely and close the trail off while you're deciding if she died or, or if she slipped or was murdered. So yeah. it rained during this time and other hikers were going up and down. So he said the rain could have washed evidence away. Bloodstains could have messed up footprints. Um, other hikers could have messed up footprints and stuff. And he did admit that sometimes investigators make mistakes. <laughs> James testified. I'm sorry, but defense. please be nice. Yeah. Sometimes we mess up, guys. Guys, it's like everyone not our makes fault. mistakes. But like... We're all human here. So, James did testify on his own behalf. He said, I did not kill my wife. There's no possible way I could want my wife dead. He said more than that. That's just the only quote that I have. (laughs) Do you guys think, make a prediction. 
Do you think they found him guilty or not guilty? I have little faith. I'm going um, guilty. I, I think they found him not guilty. I think there was reasonable doubt. Okay. So the jurors deliberated for 10 hours. They did seven hours the first day and then asked to break. So it was like 10 o'clock at night. Came back a couple hours the next morning. And on November 26th, they they acquitted James of all charges. Now, let me, let me ask you guys something. I want to see if your juror knowledge, right? Because none of us have served on a murder trial before or an interstate domestic violence charge. But if, if the jurors are deliberating and they cannot come to a unanimous decision, what happens? It's a hung Miss jury. Kyle. Okay. I'm so glad. You are smarter than the jurors. In an interview, juror Stephen Paul Crump said that 10 jurors believed... James was guilty and two believed he was not guilty. However, they had misread the instructions from the judge and believed that if they couldn't come to a decision, they had to default to not guilty. Okay, but there's like, wild. There's a there's like a thing where if the jurors didn't understand something, they can do a retrial. Yeah, with they didn't new do that. Jurors. But that's a thing. They could do that. Yeah. They should they I think they should do that. Do that. They said they didn't know they were allowed to end the trial with a hung jury. So 10 guilty, 2 not guilty. And they were like, guess we got to say not guilty because we can't decide. They didn't even go with like majority rule. Right. And they only deliberated for 10 hours. Like not that that's not a long time to argue about something. But like we see juries be out for days. 10 hours. We're stuck. Well, they were tuckered out from going on that field trip. Yeah. They're also they're, it's not like this case had like a lot of like physical evidence. So Yeah, I think what, that there probably was reasonable doubt. What but, could you talk about for more than ten hours? Yeah. Those jurors just I'm so pissed off. Um so when that juror did that interview and said that, um the family was infuriated and yeah. they started filing civil lawsuits because they were like, we couldn't get him in a criminal jury, but maybe we can get him in a civil court. In civil court in California, you only need a majority. You don't need a unanimous decision. So um, the family filed civil lawsuits as well as the insurance company um, and the guardian who was appointed to see to the kids' financial affairs. In 2003, the one specific civil suit that was brought by the family asked the court to decide that he is not entitled to Patty's inheritance because he killed her. So this kind of would have still been them getting um, him recognized as having killed Patty, mm -hmm. even though it would have just been like so that he couldn't get the inheritance. <clears throat> um, they also said he had been requesting information from their real estate company's attorneys, accountants, attorneys and accountants, and they asked that he be denied that info. He filed a cross complaint um, and they went back and forth for a couple years until they eventually settled in February of 2005. They both dropped their cases. And this was the um, part of the statement. It reads, each party hereto agrees that the promises, covenants, and releases contained herein are not and are not deemed or constructed as an admission of any misconduct or fault of any kind whatsoever but are to be constructed strictly as a compromise and settlement of all disputes between the parties for the purpose of avoiding further controversy, litigation, and expense. So basically, both sides dropped it, but they were like, we're not saying anybody did or didn't do anything. We're just tired. Yeah. Um, he was never tried for murder. The Washington County um, 
prosecutor decided not to press charges for murder. Uh, but he also didn't get any of the proceeds from the family business that ended up being good blocked to him. I feel like yeah. they, I mean, if they couldn't get him on, what was the first cause? Like domestic violence? Interstate domestic violence. Um, they wouldn't have gotten him in murder. Hard to yeah. totally like say. Here. That's why that attorney or the prosecutor was like, I'm going to watch and see yeah. how the federal case goes and decide. Is there, like, I mean, there's even less, like, physical evidence for that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Today, he lives in Illinois. He did it. I mean, I'm suspicious. I'm furious with the jury, because yeah. apparently it was made up of 12 dummies. This is problem. People are, like, stupid, and, like, you can ask questions, people. Come yeah. on. You, like, forget that juries are made up of just, like, people. In that there are so many stupid people out there, the odds are they're going to end up on juries. They're so stupid. And it's very, it's a little disheartening. Because, like, you don't want to be on trial for something you didn't do and you get people who are this kind of stupid. This is my jury selection is, like, a science. Mm -hmm. Chug. Thank you. It is water. Sure. I would like to say, again, I mentioned it, but it feels more important now after learning how stupid the jury was, that there were um, nine men and three women on the jury. I just feel like maybe the women would have read the instructions a little bit more carefully. But you maybe, know, maybe, none maybe, of my business. Maybe the women were the ones that were like, oh no, he's not guilty. Perhaps. So, that was the case. Hmm. Patty Bonarini officially ruled an accident. That was uh, a new type of case we've never seen before. Thanks, and you're welcome. Maybe I'll take Maybe you to some more parks here and there. Feel disappointed with the outcome. Yeah, it's frustrating. Let's I feel like because how many like how many sources did you have, Lacey? Just the book? It well, I I did the book, and I mean, it's just it was a chapter in the book, so it was like oh, okay. ten pages, and. Most of it came from that. I did look up, tried to find articles about it, but the articles mostly were just covering the um the court the trial. Mm-hmm. So I got some information from that, but most of it came from the the book. Look how fat the Grand Canyon one is. Ooh. People died in the Grand Canyon. It's so many people. But they're not all sinister, so Boo. A lot right. of times it's stupid people. Cool. Well that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Uh huh. <laughs>